0: Welcome to the Growing in Grace podcast, where you can listen in on some casual conversation about the good news of Jesus without all of the inconsistent religious double talk. If you've ever struggled with feelings of hopelessness, guilt, and despair, or wondered if you're really right with God, it's time to discover the true freedom that comes with the gospel of unlimited and overflowing grace. All right, here we go. Once again, we got the Growing in Grace podcast. I'm Joel Brzezke with Mike Kapler. The Growing in Grace podcast found weekly online at org. Also, wherever podcasts are found, uh, your favorite podcasting app or however you want to do it, just search for Growing in Grace. And uh, I do believe I've searched for that before and I found other podcasts with the same name, but... Uh, You're not going to find anything like this one. You're just not. (laughs) No, but it's the one with Mike and Joel, so uh, that's the way to find it. So, yeah, we've been talking about the lore of God, as they say in Australia, the lore, the law. And I don't know why they add the R. It's one thing real quickly here. I lived in England for a while. They will say they will end words that have an R without pronouncing the R. But then, in between words that don't have an "R" in it, where they add another word to it, they'll add an R like the Lord of God instead of the law of God. it's the Lord <laughs> of God. I don't I have never understood that. But anyway, um, <laughs> we, <laughs> we love our friends in England and uh, Australia and places where they, they do crazy stuff like that. Anyway, over <laughs> to you. Cap. Why can't, why, why
1: can't people just be normal <laughs> like us? <laughs> That's right. (laughs) We're perfectly normal. Uh, Oh, boy. Well, look, the church will try to tell you some things. When I say the church, I'm not talking about believers, but usually when I say that, uh, I'm referencing church organizations mindsets that are established through different kinds of denominational teachings. I I think most people understand that now, but if you're a new listener, welcome aboard. We're growing in grace here, growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, and, and trying to get away from some of the legalistic things that have kept people in spiritual bondage. And we've been talking about some of those things in recent weeks, especially as it relates to the law that was given through Moses to the Israeli people a few nuggets here to think about when god gave that law again not to uh, beat a dead horse here but he gave it to israel not to the rest of the world isn't it kind of an, an interesting contrast how god gave the law to israel but he gave jesus to the world <laughs> i find that interesting but this thing called the law it was never meant and and if you can get this if you can just wrap your mind around this then many other things within the Bible context will begin to make sense between the old covenant and the new one. But this thing with the law, it was never meant to get the Israelites in line. It was never given to people to try and get them to a a place of acceptance from God. Now, the law could provide that as you said at the end of last week's program, Joel, the law could have provided that if people actually did the law. Nobody ever could do it. Nobody could live up to that high and perfect standard. That's why, you see, we we grace renegades actually have, I think, more respect for the holy law of God than the, the advocates who think we should somehow try to apply it to the Christian life. And it was never meant to be applied to the Christian life. It was never meant to bring righteousness or life to the Israelites. It was never going to bring them the sanctification. Now, in theory, it could have done that. I mean, the law was given to separate Israel from the rest of the world, but it never really brought the sanctification that it desired. So the law, it it wasn't meant to make bad people good. What happened under the law is that it actually caused sin to increase. It caused an increase in sin, not a decrease in sin. So when you hear people touting, and we've been talking about the hypocrisy of it in recent weeks, but when you hear about people touting the Ten Commandments and maybe a few other uh, selective commandments from the law, uh, when you hear people doing that, that's actually igniting sin. Now, the law isn't sin. The law isn't inspiring people to sin, But the law is against us, you see, and and, and the result is that sin increases. So what happened here? Jesus came to replace that system, that ministry, with faith and grace, and, and to provide righteousness not through the works of the law, but as a gift. The perfection that was required by the law is now found in belief in Christ. That's why Paul said that Christ became the end of the law, not the beginning of the law. You would think some people get saved, now you start trying to follow these commandments. Well, with the Israelites, it was the other way around, and that's the way it's meant to be for us, is that when you come to Christ, he becomes the end of the law, not the beginning of the law. He came to redeem and deliver the Israelites from that ministry of bondage, from that law of commandments. He didn't come to bring Gentiles into it. <laughs> and and so the strength of sin is the law. The law itself brought death and condemnation. And that's the entire law, you know, from commandment number one to commandment 613. Stop trying to cross some off the list and leave some of them on, because even the law itself says you couldn't do that.
0: Right, that's exactly right, and like you were saying, uh, Romans 5 says that, moreover, the law entered that the offense might, well, you know, like you say, in many people's minds, well, that would help us to stop sinning, Uh, but no, it says, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound but where sin abounded so again that was through the law through the law sin abounded abounded but where sin abounded grace abounded much more and that's where we um, hyper grace people actually find some consolation there because even though hyper grace is used against us this grace abounded that word abounded really is uh, from the greek a word that means hyper or super so grace superabounded or hyperabounded. It was hyper grace. <laughs> That's because where sin abounded, grace, you know, hyper grace came about. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's Romans five twenty and twenty one. He's talking about how sin entered the world through Adam and and death through sin. So sin and death had previously abounded. Then when the law came, sin, super, you know, sin abounded even more, and then grace came. Uh, and the reason we needed grace is because of all that death and sin that came through Adam and then uh, through everyone else who came about because sin entered and came to everybody. And so grace reigns now in our life through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord and it has nothing to do with the law. Paul said that he, in order for him to bear fruit unto God, and in order for him to live this new life in Christ, he had to die to the law. And he talked about he, how he formerly had all these reasons to be confident in his flesh. And the law really is a fleshly pursuit. In order to keep the law, you know, you have to really try really, 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 really hard. Because, Cap, you are talking about that high and perfect standard of the law. And uh, it's just something that the flesh can try and try and try to do, but it just can never keep up with And so Paul said he had to die to it in order to bear fruit to God. And so that's where the fruit comes. That's where life comes. That's where righteousness comes. It's not through the law. It's by being dead to the law. It's by realizing that we have no relationship with the law. And it's by realizing, again, the purpose of the law. It was indeed meant to shut mouths. It was meant to uh, help people to understand that (laughs) I'm trying as hard as I can to be right by what I do, but I just can't do it. Yes, exactly, right. Now I want you to turn to the gospel instead. (laughs) Turn to grace. Turn to faith in God and rest in him because where righteousness and life could never come through the law, righteousness and life ended up coming as God's free gift uh, to those who simply rest in him, simply trust in what he's done.
1: There you go. You know, Paul took this in many different directions in his letters, and sometimes I just wonder how easy it is to skim over it if you're in the wrong mindset, because Joel, for 20-plus years of my Christian life as a youngster, until I got into my 30s, I guess, I missed a lot of this stuff that you and I have been talking about for 15 years, Mm -hmm. and we've been soaking in for closer to 25 years now you know, I, I look at First Timothy, when Paul is writing to Timothy. Oh, let me just read it here. As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, re- remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is, is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain or fruitless discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Do we ever see that going on in the church world today? People wanting to be teachers of the law, many people sitting, getting at least exposed to certain aspects of law-like mindedness and trying to mix it somehow in with jesus and then you know like jesus said you, the new wine <laughs> you don't want to pour the wrong kind of wine into the wrong kind of wine skin and so uh here we've got paul encouraging timothy to say hey challenge these people who want to be teachers of the law they're departing from the faith they're teaching myths or fables And endless genealogies is causing speculation, and he even wrapped up the second letter to Timothy with that same thing. Stay away from myths and fables because people have itching ears. They want their ears tickled with what they want to hear. Legalists will tell you that's an abundance of grace. Paul says it's the law. It's the law that people want to hear. Tell me what I need to do. It's not much different today than it was when people walked up to Jesus. I just need to know for sure. I just need to know for sure what I need to do. And Jesus kept, you know, pointing out, it's really not about doing because you're always going to fall short when it's about doing. It's about resting in who you already are. In Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think there is an
0: abundance of law teaching in the church today, and it's I believe it's done wrong. I think from what I gather from Paul's epistles and the scriptures that talk about the purpose of the law, if there is a reason to teach the law in the church today, it's for the same reasons that Paul would have done it. He used the law to show what a big, high, and lofty standard the law had, how life could not come from it, how it could only make sin abound, and how it could produce nothing worthwhile, and in fact, how he had to die to it. You know, Paul, when he came to Jesus and he started learning about what the gospel really is, he realized and he began to understand that even though he had been under the law for all those years, all that it did was produce in him every, all amounts of coveting, it produced in him all amounts of sin, sin revived, and I died, he said, because of the law. So the only reason the law should be taught is to show people that it can't produce the life and the righteousness that was desired from it. It's so high and so lofty that nobody can actually keep it. And the purpose of it then is to point people away from self-righteousness, away from trying to gain righteousness by what they do, and to turn instead to the gospel, to faith in Jesus Christ. So there you have some of our thoughts about the law now coming up next week. God withholds no good thing from us if we walk uprightly, right? Well, that's what, <laughs> that's what Psalm 84 says. And so we're going to talk about this. Some Bible verses offer promises, but they're conditional. Now, do those fit into the new covenant then? So we'll take a look at that next week right here on Growing in Grace.